do your job. Dad like it's your job. Do your job! With Chris Zito. Do your job. He's a dad, a radio host, a father, a speaker, dad, an actor, a dad, a comedian, a dad, a husband, a dad, and, well, a dad. So back in the day... I was a baby stand-up comedian roaming around uh, the country, but based in Boston and living in Boston, uh, I knew this guy that wrote for The Globe, Steve Morse. He's a columnist for The Globe. He was like the music critic, rock critic for The Globe. And we didn't exactly travel in the same circles because uh, there was another guy. There were some other guys that wrote about comedy. Steve didn't write about comedy very much. Every now and then he would because, you know, you'd find yourself on a show where there was comedy and music. And then Steve Morse would show up. And I got to know him over the years. And it wasn't until recently that I learned... Uh, what a special father he is. He has a son, Nick, who's on the autism spectrum. Nick is uh, 28 years old now, and Nick is an accomplished painter. He is a professional artist, and he has been able to do this in no small part because of the devotion and support that he got from his father, that he continues to get from his father, Steve Morse, who is, like I said, columnist for The Globe for a million years and uh, on the faculty at the Berkeley College of Music teaching rock history. And it was just so cool. I, we're friends on Facebook, and I just reached out to him and said, hey, man, I'm talking to all kinds of, of different dads for this podcast, and I'd love to talk to you about Nick. And he was like, yeah, absolutely. So here's my conversation with Boston Globe columnist and Berkeley faculty member, an absolutely five-star father, Steve Morse. So I really appreciate you doing this, Steve. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, well, thank you, Chris. I, I appreciate your interest in my son, Nick, also. Well, I mean, the work is amazing. And uh, when I read about uh, Art Lifting, that organization, I was really moved. I saw, I went to Nick's website, and I was watching... The video from Art Lifting, and it was it was really moving, seeing what they're doing. Yeah, well, Nick, uh, you know he's essentially nonverbal. Uh, he's one of those kids uh, who started out speaking when he was, you know, three four years old. Okay. And and then as he grew up, he spoke less and less. And it can go the opposite way. You know, autism. You can get a child who doesn't speak. You know, in the early years, and then does speak later on so you know it's a it's such a mystery you know these kids are all individual and and you can't put them in any bag or stereotype and right i, I just you know thank goodness that nick was able to find some art um that he was interested in and some of these kids you know they never find anything that they, they're good at and and it's really wrenching for for the parents you know the, it's hard on the parents but for me nick has got accolades and you know i pay taxes on him now and i say hey, slow down a little bit what are you trying to I mean, take it easy on dad here paying too much to the government <laughs> well you know so because you got to work that schedule c for nick now right is he a 1099 guy oh gosh i i have the taxes done so you're speaking of, the, of my uh of my pay grade there. all right all right i have an accountant who does all that <laughs> So, I mean, what was it like for you? I mean, this pod is all about, you know, providing for your family and still being a part of your family. And I know that, I mean, listen, I know how you've provided for your family. You're an amazing writer, rock, uh, music critic for all these years. And uh, But 
I like talking to all kinds of different dads who are in all sorts of different circumstances. And so for you, what was it like for you, you know, speaking as a father, you said that he started out verbal. He was sort of developing in a more uh, a more typical way early on. Is that what was happening with Nick? Well, he was never typical. Um, okay. You know, he would tend to perseverate, which is a big word in okay. autistic circles. It means basically repeating phrases. Okay. So he would he would continually ask, "What are we going to do today? What are we going to do today?" You know, and that's his mm. that was his way of kind of socializing, and and then the, the you know the verbal uh, component started to really, you know, d- disappear you know through through the years and his mother passed away that was a that was a tough go when when it, he was 12 and that's when he went into the cardinal cushing center uh down in hanover down on the south shore sure and, and it's named for the cardinal you know cardinal cushing they it's non-denominational they you know it's not a religious school it used to be many years ago but they it's non-denominational they take state services now and so forth and Nick is supported, uh, you know, there by the, you know, state uh, Dep- Department of Developmental Services (DDS), which used to be Department of Mental Retardation. You may recall. Oh DM. wow! And that became politically incorrect, and sure. just only a few years ago did that disappear and change into DDS. But anyway, Nick went to 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 that to center down there. It's like a college campus, and it's. It's like the Harvard of special needs schools. I mean, I was lucky to get him in there. Yeah. And he stayed there 10 years until he was 22, and then he, he moved into a group home. But I would take him on weekends uh, pretty much throughout that time. But what happened was when he was about 16, I, I you know, I'd be getting calls, you know, gee, Nick was, he was tantruming, and, you know, he was... You know, I broke a mirror in the in the bathroom today, or yeah. punched out a window. Mm-hmm. You know, and I go, oh, geez, I was afraid to pick up the phone. Sure. And all of a sudden, uh, I got a letter from uh, the art teacher down in in the Cardinal Cushing Center, and he said, "Mr. Morris, I think your son has genius ability in art." And I cried <laughs> because it was the nicest thing I, I ever heard. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. I was just so addicted. To, you know, so accustomed to sort of bad news trouble this was this was the joyous you know transition and and randy wiskow is his name w-i-s-g-o-w from wisconsin okay he's been doing this for 30 years at cardinal cushing center and he puts Mm. on uh, exhibits down there at the school and nick got involved in that and then he got in some other exhibits uh autism uh Association of New England, A-A-N-E, uh, and then he got involved with the Cambridge uh, Open Studios. I live in Cambridge. Right. Uh, and, and now I, I put on exhibits for him and had a big one, uh, you know, just this past year where he sold 35 paintings. Wow. So it sounds like he's also uh, fairly prolific. Is he painting all, Is he painting every day? Well, you, you know, I, I I feel like Colonel Tom Parker with Elvis. You know, I mean, <laughs> what what is I have a f- son? Keep working cycles. You know, he, he'll he'll paint, you know, a lot, and then he'll just kind of take it easy. Sure. Particularly in winters, you know, when the the, the sun goes down early, he tends mm. to, you know, have seasonal affect disorder a little bit. Okay. You know, he doesn't have much motivation in the winter, and then spring and summer he starts to. Uh, 
to heat it up a little bit and he's he's more you know consistent painting but yeah it's not like he's a nine to five uh painter no i mean it, it's 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 really by inspiration and he's an abstract painter so he doesn't, sure. you know some autistic kids you know paint you know these really tiny little you know buildings and so forth with you know they're very you know linear paintings sure but it just strictly does these big swashes of paint um it tends to be on bigger canvases and very exciting you know when when uh, he's now in a place in the medford called outside the lines studio which is a special needs uh, art studio and he's got wonderful interns and staffers there from the museum school and you know around town in boston and they're learning to be art therapists and i went in one day and nick uh, was painting and one of the young interns said, well, be quiet. You know, and she didn't know who I was. Oh. And I said, what's going on? And, and she said, well, Nick is painting. <laughs> and, and a bunch of the interns were standing around watching him because, they, you know, they were digging it. Okay. <laughs> I mean, the kid's a star. You come walking in his dad, they don't even know who you are. No, no. <laughs> they, 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 they don't know that I once interviewed Bob Marley or, you know. <laughs> Mick Jagger, I mean, you know. Well, the Globe, yeah, I was very lucky to be the senior rock critic there for you know most of my thirty years at the Globe. So, I was I was lucky. I mean, I that that fell into my lap, and you know, it's always been a juggling act, you know, between you know that job and 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 my son, because I spend as much time as I can with him, and you know, I, I take him on his medical appointments, and you know, I. I'm active that way, very proactive. Uh, yeah, and I like to think that that's what a lot of fathers would do with a special needs child, but they don't. You know, I, at his yeah. group home in Watertown, uh, he lives in Watertown with four other men. Yes, three of them are nonverbal of, of the five, and uh, you know, a bunch of them never get any visits from family. One only gets uh, his aunt stops by on Christmas afternoon every year. Oh boy! That, that, Once a year. A lot of these parents have just disowned these kids because they're too much uh, work. Too much. You know, there, there, might be an embarrassment to the family. But I, I said, hey, this is my only son, my only child, and I'm going to hang in there. Well, you know, I, I wanted to re regroup a little bit and go back when you mentioned that um, Nick's mom passed. He was only 12 years old. And mm -hmm. it seemed like with the way you describe him and the way his autism presents is that it would be virtually impossible for you to care for him and make a living on your own, especially alone, just you, once you were widowed. Is that what you were faced with? Absolutely. Um, because I work nights. I mean, I had, you know, you cover music, you know, it's, it's a night beat. I mean, mm -hmm. I'd be going down to... You know Mansfield, where the amphitheater is around Boston, it used to be called Great Woods. Sure. Oh, I don't know what it is. It Infinity the, Center or something. Then like it was that. the Tweeter Center for a while. I think it's the Xfinity yeah. Center. There's a bunch yeah, of them named Xfinity now, all over the place. So it's hard to know. It changes, it changes every couple of years. Yeah. I used to go down there, uh, Chris, uh, 21, 22 times each summer, mm -hmm. covering shows. Right. And I'd write them up down there. There was a press trailer down there. I'd write it up. And I wouldn't get out of there till like 1 a.m. You know, by the time the editors would, would, sure. would finish with it and so forth. And he was still so, a little boy. He was a little boy then. 12 years yes. old. He can't be on his own. 
Even even a kid who had a more typical way of expressing himself and learning is that's twelve is too young to be home by himself. No, no. Well, it's I couldn't do that. I mean, that's uh, you you know his his uh, you know it's just not possible because once in a while he will leave the premises and Mm -hmm. you know he cannot cross the street without supervision. Uh, which is a big problem since I live in Porter Square in Cambridge. <laughs> yeah, a little busy over there, sure. But he's become accustomed when we come up to a street corner, he'll just hold out his hand so I can t- pick, t- take his hand and walk yeah. across the street. And other people are looking like, what are these two doing? Yeah, well, let him but, look. You know, and... He's conditioned himself. Instead of bolting mm-hmm. and crossing the street which he on his own, which he might have done years ago and, and risk injury, he now waits and and takes my hand, so it's it's very touching, actually. Um, you know, uh, that sort of brings me to another thing I wanted to discuss with you, and something that I have just recently been learning because I have another, I have a friend who has uh, uh, two autistic sons, and I've been learning more about this, and and I was reading about how, you know, ten fifteen years ago, organizations were beginning; they were trying to raise money to cure autism. And the view has changed so drastically since then. It seems so strange to even think of it that way because it's not something that needs to be cured. It's something that we uh, need to learn about and and learn how to communicate with these people. They, they're perfectly capable. They just communicate in such a different way. That's what the challenge is. It's like you, you've, and I'm sure over the years, you've learned to speak more and more Nick's language. Mm-hmm. Well... You know that's that's a very good point. Um, I, I think now it's it's called the autistic spectrum. Yes, you, they don't even sometimes call it autism anymore. They just say, "Well, I have a son on the spectrum." Okay, and you kind of know instantly what that means. And it essentially is that no, no two kids are alike. Uh, there's all you know, like as one of Nick's doctors said. He has a quote constellation of disorders. Right? I see. Constellation okay. of disorders. What is this astronomy class? <laughs> I mean, that sounds like a steep climb, Steve, especially for a single father. Yeah, a little bit more than, but you can't treat that, you know, with typical drugs or you know, cure. Mm. Like you say, there was going to be some miracle pill. Yeah. There is no miracle pill, you know, to make Nick speak. Uh, to make him, you, you, you know, be, quote, normal. But, you know, I've come to revel in, in his differences, and uh, I certainly sympathize with parents who have two autistic children. I know I have some friends who, you know, single parents of two. Yeah. And that is unbelievably difficult. Uh, one is, is, is difficult, uh, but two I, I can't even imagine. Um, but you know, it's other parents are talking about. Oh, my son's going to you know this college or this sure. you know prep school or whatever. And what's your son doing? And I said, well, you know, he's at Cardinal Cushing Center, and you know, he's he's in a group home then, and you know whatnot. But I, I say it proudly because uh, he's really come a long way. I mean, considering you know what he was. Uh, you know, all those years ago, and and this is interesting. Uh, at, at age four, he had a workup at uh, the Children's Hospital. You know, in Boston, the famous sure. Children's Hospital, and it's like three days. They took Nick for th- well, I went in each day. Yeah, and they took him for a battery of tests. They had all their experts, mm-hmm. and at the end of that time, um, 
they sat me down in this bow tied kind of you, you know kind of <laughs> Ivy League type guy comes sure. out, real snobby guy, and he says, "Well, Mr. Morris, we've concluded that uh, you know he blah blah blah. This is a diagnosis and so forth." And and I said, "Well, what does that what does that mean? What's what's going to happen to him?" And the guy says, "Doctor," he, he says to me, "Mr. Morris." Uh, he'll be lucky to be a stock boy in a supermarket. Mm. And that, oh, you know, boy. that's not what you want to hear at age four. <laughs> right. About your child. And, right. I, and I, that really lit a fire with me because I said, you, you know, I felt like saying, you bastard. Yeah. You know, you're getting paid all this money and this is the best you can do to encourage your parent to say something like that. Yeah. Well, so, you know, with each success Nick has had in the art community, you know, I remind people that, hey, this this guy was, you know, counted out. He was counted out at age four by Children's Hospital. Sure. And I'm sure they're more sensitive now. I mean, they probably get fired for saying something like that now. Right, right, right. You know, everybody's almost the other way. They're so hypersensitive. Politically <laughs> That's true. Correct and and you know, afraid to, to touch my son and, you know, yeah. without you know calling in you know, the authorities. It, it gets crazy after a while. Well, one of the things that has struck me, Steve, and I mean, we're, we're not in close touch. We're friends on Facebook, and that's how I really learned about Nick, because you post about him so often, and your posts have such a sense of pride about them. And earlier in our conversation, you mentioned that, you know, these the other men he lives with in the group home, some people that are, have children like this, they're actually embarrassed. And what what I love about you fathering Nick is your pride. Because he's your son. You're proud of him because he's your son. It's something that I try to share with my kids is like, I'm proud of you because you're my kid. You know, mm -hmm. it's not specific accomplishments, but your connection with Nick is something that is uh, a real inspiration and it's wonderful to see. It's to your credit. Well, thank you. We have a lot of fun. I mean, you know, <laughs> the other day, uh, my car wouldn't start. You know, I was at a concert uh, over in Newton actually and uh, it's raining out and so forth and you know we get into the car and Nick is soaked I'm soaked and, and I said well let's let's get out of here and the car wouldn't start so I had to call AAA I don't know somehow I left the lights on or the battery ran down you know yeah. that whole thing and uh, you know they came and started it up but in the meantime I'm pounding every button in the car and I'm you know, <laughs> losing my mind and going, God damn it, what's going on? And Nick is over there laughing. <laughs> He's laughing. And I said, Nick, you're not supposed to laugh here. I mean, this is yeah. a serious business here. I'm, the, the car won't start. But, yeah. but he likes, you know, the sound of buttons and whirring yeah. and, you know, the well, I mean, start and stop. And he, he enjoyed the show. Yeah, it sounds like he also enjoys watching his dad have a mini nervous breakdown when the car won't start. So. I mean, I who would, you know? I think he does. I think he's tired of all this. His dad is efficient, and any dad's supposed to be a great dad. I think he's fed up with it. <laughs> he wants to see the other side of Steve Morse that's, that, that some of us don't get to see. So, yeah, well, there you well, go. I appreciate you uh, having this conversation with me today. I, I love doing this podcast, and I think they're important conversations father to father and for other fathers to to hear how dads are dealing with whatever their circumstances is there anything that we can plug i know nick has a website for his art can we plug that yeah it's it's nickmorseart.com and if you just look up uh nick morse online it'll take you right to it yeah 
and you and get it's, a, it's, it's, it's a fun site and artlifting.com is the group that represents Nick professionally they they were started out of uh, Harvard actually a, yeah. a woman named Liz Powers she's been on page one of the New York Times the Globe she's quite a bit of write-up and and she's uh, you know helps disabled artists so artlifting.com has been you know they, they convert his art into big prints you know that sure. are hanging in universities and, and I mean Nick has uh, you know, these prints are in like the Facebook office, the Google office out in the wow. West Coast. Yeah, they're in the Leahy Clinic, for example, in, in you know Burlington and in, in around Boston. Um, you know, they they've really and Nick gets a chunk of that. You know, that's great. Um, and they converted your know, tote bags, t-shirts, <laughs> and consumer goods. Nick is a it's the, very colorful, colorful art. It's and, the and, merch, and, Steve. That's what the kids call the merch now, you know? It's the merch. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> At the exhibits, you know, other parents aren't accustomed to seeing, you know, I, I show up with a battery of T-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> and they go, what the hell is this? And I say, look, I'm a rock and roll critic. I feel comfortable here. That's you know, fantastic. Well, it sounds like Nick is, is blessed with real talent and he's also blessed with a terrific dad so steve morris thanks for coming on with me i appreciate it chris thanks for listening and good luck with the podcast so there you go i'm going to repeat that for you nickmorseart.com nick as in n-i-c-k morse m-o-r-s-e art nickmorseart.com and uh, artlifting.com the organization that uh, helped Nick sort of get out of the gate with this. Uh, just an amazing story. The connection that a father has with a son, that a father has with his children, that so many parents have with their children. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. It doesn't matter what the challenges are. We just we do what we have to do. And the results speak for themselves. Nick Morse is an accomplished professional painter in no small part because of the devotion and the love of his dad. So thanks to Steve Morse. Thank you for listening to the pod. Please uh, subscribe, download the episodes, leave us a review, share this with other dads, spread the word. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. Tell your pals.